The show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all come on, let's go. Welcome to the healthcare rap, where we are ushering in the future of healthcare and the status quo no longer exists where we are challenging assumptions about marketing and technology, and we check yesterday's thinking at the door. Where truth drops like an atom bomb, and knowledge flows like Niagara Falls. Each week, we challenge assumptions that have been holding back healthcare marketing, and explain how we can do better. Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jared Johnson, ready to share some more provocative thinking for healthcare innovators. Here on the Healthcare Wrap, we believe that healthcare has to truly become consumer first, and we're trying to do something about it. We can either stand back and let it take another 50 years, or we can jump in right now. Come be a part of it. Each week, we talk about building the healthcare of tomorrow. We recently passed 180 episodes and three and a half years on the air. We're now in season six, where we're focusing on how to operationalize and scale consumer first healthcare and digging into the details of how to make it happen. So here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about how healthcare competition is coming from everywhere. How are expectations changing and where are those expectations coming from? I'll talk about that. Then Amy Haymans is in the house to share some provocative thinking about how to bring the tools and innovative mindset of the disruptors to the mainstream. We'll dive deep into how we can use design thinking principles to break down silos and bridge the gulf between designers and builders. This episode's jam-packed, and we have a lot to share along the way. It's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the Week. Competition is coming from everywhere. Are you ready? The latest player in my world to offer a telehealth service isn't another health system or consumer brand. It's my health share. Being a 1099er or self-employed, I'm surprisingly happy with the health coverage that we have for our family. We use a combination of a direct primary care provider and a health share. I'd describe our relationship with our direct primary care provider as almost magical, genuinely, as we've been able to get all sorts of help whenever we need by calling, texting, or even visiting at all hours of the day. And we use the health share to cover catastrophic needs as an affordable alternative to a high deductible insurance plan. So imagine my interest when the health share announced last week that they now offer a telehealth service at no additional cost to members. It's through Healthiest You, a service provided by Teladoc, and it connects using my health share member information. I was able to download the app and have access to virtual visits within minutes with no waiting room, no clipboards, and no registration packet. And again, at no cost. This came as a reminder to me as someone who works with all sorts of health organizations that healthcare expectations are changing. And it's up to you whether those changes come internally or externally. Now, you may be thinking that this announcement about this particular health share may not have gotten headlines like recent announcements by CVS Health, Best Buy, or CrossFit, but it adds to the increasing number of new offerings that will be chipping away at hospitals' already razor-thin operating margin. And like I often say, I don't know if any of these players on their own will impact the financial viability of hospitals, but collectively, these thousands of new entrants are changing what we as consumers expect from our healthcare encounters, and they will change who we see for our care in the future. So in the rush to recover revenue, we need to highlight the opportunity to differentiate on experience. 
Now, again, it's easy for market leaders to ignore what consumers are telling them about what they want. Pretty sure that's what Blockbuster did, though, and Borders, and Toys R Us, and Kodak. Are hospitals there yet? I would say collectively not quite, but all indications point to them heading that way unless they're able to disrupt themselves. So after testing out this new service from my health share, I can't help but wonder who's next. Who will be offering me an even easier way to experience healthcare? I can't wait to find out, and at this rate, it won't take long. It's time to better understand consumers, engage with consumers, and design and build for consumers. That's how we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the week. All right, it's time for some more provocative thinking. And to help us out, we've got Amy Heyman's in the house. I'm so excited for this. Amy's founder and chief experience officer at MadPow. A lot of you know her and the work she's done and the amazing work that their agency does. MadPow is a first mover in the space of purpose-driven and human-centered design, something we need a lot more of in healthcare. So first and foremost, Amy, welcome to the Healthcare Wrap. Thanks so much for having me, Jared. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, this is one of those conversations that we're going to hear the excitement in your voice of just the type of work you get to do. And I have a feeling you've had a chance to encounter some of the brighter spots, the innovation that's happening in our industry. And we can always use you know good reminders of that type of innovation because there's so much going on in the industry. But you know, to help us get to know you a little bit better, you want to give us a little bit more about you know what did I miss in your bio? Tell us more about Mad Pow and, and the type of work you do. Yeah, absolutely. So I've had the the honor and privilege of working with a team. We're about 70 folks over at MadPow and we're authentically committed to improving experiences, improving health outcomes. We work in health, but we also work in other industries where we're focused on the intersection of what an organization is trying to achieve and what the people served by that organization are wanting and needing in their lives so that we will create virtuous circles, uplifting cycles, if you will. Um, And we call that purpose-driven design. So it's really human-centered design pointed in the direction of purpose. And we've been able to do that, this authentic, passionate, creative team over the past 15 to 20 years for organizations across the health ecosystem. So that's payer, provider, government, nonprofit, health tech, pharma, really no stone unturned there. And that's led to thousands of interviews and co-creative sessions with patients and families, consumers, clinicians, essentially people people in the health ecosystem, designing with them what would be a better health future. And really that's on two sides of the same coin in health. One is helping people to navigate the health system because people are left in the center of a disconnected ecosystem. Our our system's sort of a mess uh, for better or for worse. It works well in some aspects, like you said, and then leaves some to be desired on the other hand. So we're working to reduce friction and provide more seamless experiences so that from, you know, finding an appointment to figuring out how much things might cost to managing your treatment, uh, that it's seamless. But then on the other side, it's it's health outcomes. How do we help people get healthier? How do we help them to change their behaviors? How do we help them move toward uh, self-efficacy and just 
being healthy, vibrant people living life, right? So from, you know, we don't want experiences that are where, you know, people are having a great experience and it's delightful, but yet they're not getting better. And we don't want an experience where people are getting better, but they're having this miserable, frustrating experience, right? We want both. We want great experiences where people are able to achieve better health. And that's really been my passion and where we've focused. Fantastic. That we're going to get into the broader context of what's happening with choices for people's healthcare in just a moment. But I noticed you're being really intentional about some of the wording you were using just there. And, and I'd like to dig into that real, real quick. One of those was purpose-driven and authentic as opposed to human-centered design. And you, you explained that. And then there's this part about health versus health care. Can you tell me about that? Because I noticed that, you know, that was something that we're, we're being clear about health design versus health care and what we're trying to get at. Like, what are we trying to help consumers and, and, and people do with their health? So tell me about the, the need and being so intentional with, with using the word health versus health care. Yeah, sure. So, you know, health care is, is our system. I would use healthcare to describe our system. And we, we are a system dedicated to, to caring for people and their health. But to me, health is a more all-encompassing term because health is, you know, can be emotional. It can be relational, physical, you know, the whole uh, mind, body, spirit, well-being. It also gets to prevention. It gets to lifestyle health, right? So, you know, Planet Fitness wouldn't consider itself that they're a gym in, in this area. I'm not sure if they're nationwide, but they wouldn't consider themselves a healthcare company, but they're absolutely a health company, right? You could say the same for uh, Nike. You could say the same for Peloton. Our focus should be improving health to the point where conditions are prevented, they're reversed, and they're treated well. And we're helping people to live their most vibrant lives. And I I think that's really like the purpose. And the reason why I differentiate between human-centered design and purpose-driven design is that human-centered design, a key part of it is empathy. And empathy, there's two different types of empathy. One is cognitive empathy, and that's the understanding of the situation of another, their context, their needs, their goals, their objectives, their frustrations, their dreams. Emotional empathy is is having the motivation to want to go about the hard work of helping to change the circumstances of another. And all of this factors into human-centered design where designing with full knowledge and research being done with the target audience so that we're more aware of their need and we can design something that's better suited for them and then having the motivation to see it through, it's usually focused on reducing frustration, increasing satisfaction. It's sort of designing the thing right, right? We want to move to designing the right thing. And designing the right thing often involves Yes, again, a full knowledge of people in their context, but you sort of broaden the lens outside of where we may have traditionally focused to fully understand the impact and embrace the opportunity for relationships and for a larger impact and a more meaningful experience within the context of people's lives. So that that's why I've sort of made that shift in in the language there. It's great. And and you really brought up a, a good point here about the difference in the system of healthcare that we we are that we deal with, you know, the system that has been designed. And my hypothesis, my worldview is that we have a long way to go before this system, the traditional care system, fee for service system, all the all the words we use within the industry 
we have a long way to go before we can really say that it is consumer first, because quite frankly, it wasn't designed that way. It was designed with other parts of business in mind. It wasn't designed to create the best experience for a consumer. There wasn't even, I, I don't, I don't think there was a large need for people to even acknowledge. Yeah, like like why would that even matter? And we live in a very different world now where that absolutely can make the difference between a provider that we're going to see, but not even just choosing between a couple of providers, but also choosing between other alternative ways of improving our health and not doing anything at all. That is absolutely one of those choices. And so for the healthcare system itself, that usually means a lot of the different providers and the organizations and all the administration around them, right? So all those different players are in, are part of the, the system here. We've got to get to a point where we can say it's more consumer first. Like it was designed more with consumers at the center of the process instead of trying to retrofit something. And I think that's where a lot of innovators right now are. They're kind of in between these two worlds. They're trying to between incrementally improve what we've already got or reimagine and come up with a totally alternative system. And all that comes into play with what you're just sharing about why we refer to certain organizations as a, a health organization versus healthcare. I think it's just a fascinating way to think about things. And so my, my question would be, how do we use experience design as a way to create healthcare services that are more consumer first? Like, how do we use that as a tool? Are there any examples that come to mind or of projects you've been able to work on or ways that you've just seen that, that experience design uh, as an umbrella of a lot of different tools? How can we use these tools to create better services to begin with? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a great question. And you're, you sort of got at a really good point, which is, you know, the difference between incremental innovation and disruptive innovation. With a focus on incremental innovation, we can improve the experiences, be easy to do business with, quote unquote, right? Smooth the edges, help people understand how to navigate, how to interact with us understand what the heck we're talking about, honestly, right? So we're, we're kind of explaining the existing system and, and making it easier to interact with over time. And that's essential. Of course, we have to do that. But we also can take a step back and say, okay, how might it be? How could it be? How should it be? And do that by designing with the people who are affected by the system. And that's inside and outside of an organization. If you look at patient experience, for example, you have patients and you have clinicians and they're having an interaction and not just the one clinician, you might have a whole care team and not just the patient, you may have their family too. So how do we design for productive conversations and better relationships and better give and take and flow of data and provide for a positive clinician experience because if they're showing up to the appointment and they are tired and they are stressed out and they don't have the tools that they need, that's going to affect the patient experience. And on the other side, if the patient shows up and they had to pay an arm and a leg for parking and they had a hard time finding the visit and they're stressed out because they don't know what's going on, that's going to affect the, or they're not prepared for the visit with, with questions and, or something's bothering them. They don't feel listened to. That's going to affect the interaction as well. So it's all interconnected and we can sort of improve things incrementally, but also take a step back and reinvent them. And 
you know, along those lines, just to explain sort of how it, how it works, you know, usually what we'll do is start with research and that's primary and secondary research. So we're actually talking with real people. We're doing ethnographic research, one-on-one interviews, observation, workshops to uncover the behaviors that matter the mental models, the mindset, the needs, the jobs to be done. We have various methodologies that we can use to really start to distill and understand the problem space and the systems that are affecting the outcomes that we'd like to change. We do a lot in behavior to understand the psychology of the situation. We leverage behavior science and motivational psychology to really understand the humans involved. We're very complicated uh, human beings, and but also it's very important to, to go outside the organization or zoom into specific aspects of the organization and be committed to the question, be a student of the problem with an open mind and try to discover exactly what's at play and exactly what's needed here. And, and with that insight and that information and inspiration, we can then go into ideation. and. For ideation, we're coming up with different ideas that may solve the problem, but I'm a big believer in in co-creation. So so designing with the communities that we are affecting, that we are participating in, inviting them to the table of innovation. So we're designing with them as opposed to for them. And we're going to come up with better ideas that way. So those basically including the end consumer in the design process, we're buying down risk associated with spending a lot of time and money and getting it wrong. And then as we test these ideas and and adopting a test and learn approach, we can start to narrow in on the best ideas and refine them to the point where they're going to meet our KPIs and our desired outcomes, evaluate that, measure that. We like to blend scientific method with creative process, essentially constructing these hypotheses and then testing them in the marketplace to be sure that we are effective. A great example of this that sort of ties together the you know, digital experience design with service design, with health outcomes improvement and innovation from a business model perspective and the behavior change design, changing the real world behaviors. One project we worked on that sort of knits that all together that had a great impact was for Dartmouth-Hitchcock Medical Center. They spun out a new subsidiary called Imagine Care. It's since been sold and is now active in the European Union, but we helped them from the get-go through research strategy, design, implementation, iteration. So it was an entire ecosystem directed at patient support, self-efficacy, health literacy, and it involved all the bells and whistles, right? So AI and machine learning and the app connected to Bluetooth biometric sensing devices. So patients could understand where they are, how they're tracking, but also have a direct one-to-one connect with an actual human being who's looking at looking at their data, is there if they want to reach out. They have a very proactive relationship where the humans involved on the clinician side are well-versed with motivational interviewing techniques and really helping people to make the lifestyle behavior changes and um, the therapeutic adherence that's going to help them to achieve better outcomes. In that, in the studies we did following that project, we heard that from a from a subjective perspective, just the real stories, 
that people no longer felt alone. They felt like they were, somebody had their back and they could get good information and, and feedback when they needed it. And then from just a data perspective, it cut cost of care by 15%, avoided visits to the ER, improved biomarkers, et cetera. So we knew the power of design to make these good things happen, but we were able to put it into practice in that context. Hi, this is John Lynn from the Healthcare IT Today podcast. If you like the latest rumors, insights, and happenings in healthcare IT, you'll enjoy hearing my colleague Colin Hung and myself debate and share the latest happenings from the world of healthcare IT. Find the latest episodes or dig into our archive at healthcareittoday.com or search for Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcast application or YouTube. When it comes to healthcare technology, we love this stuff. And we can't wait to have you join in on the discussion of everything health very cool examples of just how hands-on that can be and how practically you were sound like you were working to address one particular problem and that's what i really like about some of the methodologies you've mentioned and kind of the heart of the work that you do which is falling in love with the problem now with the solution, a lot of the kind of tenets, I feel like, of human-centered design. And again, as a what I'd consider myself a design enthusiast, uh, definitely not a practitioner, but I'm learning as I go. And I get excited when I, when I learn about these new methodologies because of the time I've spent kind of spinning my wheels at times trying to understand how, how I could increase adoption of a digital tool or platform or some content that wasn't quite getting the traction that that we or our organization wanted it to. And so I spent a lot of time trying to understand how to how to nudge people in the right direction, I guess. And a lot of these methodologies just make so much sense to me. Another hypothesis of mine is that the the disruptors in this space, the ones who are coming in uh, big tech, big retail, and then what Rock Health refers to as the, we've talked about it a couple of times on the podcast, uh, the middle children, the middle players, the non-traditional consumer brands that aren't as big as Amazon, Walmart, Google, but they are the targets and CVSs and best buys of the world that are entering healthcare and offering something new, some new kind of service or experience. There's all these new players coming in. I guess it's just kind of a hypothesis of mine that they very clearly have a different mindset and they have a different set of tools that they are playing with when they're designing a healthcare service or experience. How do we raise the profile and how do we bring those tools and methodologies of the disruptors to the mainstream? It's such a good question. And we do have some sort of poster children or rock stars in this regard. I mean, PillPack was designed by folks who were, you know, from IDEO and MIT. IDEO is a well-known design firm in this space. And they used human-centered design to come up with PillPack. And then you have, of course, Apple. They evolved from a technology perspective and put a focus on design. And it's not just the visual design. It's not just the aesthetic. I mean, any of us have used a piece of technology or been a part of an experience that was frustrating and not working um, as we intended. You know, we do have approaches that we are 
working with, you know, there's, there's knowledge around process improvement. There's uh, knowledge around um, sort of approaching things from the engineering perspective. There's knowledge around, you know, the marketing toolkit in human centered design or experience design, if you will, is sort of a new entrant. And that is, you know, 20, 25 years ish old. Although before that it was human factors and ergonomics and we were designing cockpits for airplanes and, and pilots, but in, in the sort of digital and service sphere, you know, it's, it's been the past 25 years, but I will tell you it's being adopted and embraced more and more. And what happens is part of, you know, one of the key tenets of design thinking and human-centered design is inclusivity and collaboration and embracing sort of an interdisciplinary approach. So we are constantly inviting people to the table from across the organization that we're working with to participate in this process. And once they hear from patients, once they participate in ideation, once they see how we need to sort of model and storyboard a service just like we would anything else, their eyes are opened and they sort of become believers and they see the value, especially when we hit the nail on the head from an outcomes perspective. And, and then they want to do it again. And then the, the momentum grows, the love grows, et cetera. Now there will always be sort of naysayers, you know, why are we doing this? We don't have enough time. We don't have enough money, you know, this and that. But once you've illustrated the success and the potential, people tend to uh, come along with us. And so, you know, when you get a passionate interdisciplinary team that is designing with the people they're affecting and using some very simple methods to visualize and then manifest these experiences, again, whether it's a digital product or a service, you know, amazing things are going to happen. So we've seen a lot of companies, especially insurance, has very much embraced human-centered design, experience design, and innovation. We do a lot of work with insurers, and we have done some work with health systems. They don't have sort of a, a well-organized team yet that is budgeted and has a seat at the table, but it's getting there. You know, Mayo has a service design team. Kaiser Permanente has a service design team. We've worked with many, many health systems. And so it's it's happening a little slower, I would say. And now we're having to the table uh, life sciences companies that are looking at embracing digital as a new way to engage with patients in a more holistic fashion beyond the drug, you know, whether it's patient support or uh, a digital therapeutic that actually can be prescribed because it's improving health outcomes. And then you, to your point, you're, we're seeing new entrants into the space that are showing us different ways of doing things or sort of tipping models on their head, you know, whether it's parsley health, focusing on functional medicine and lifestyle and spending a lot of time with folks, you know, or these um, sort of entrepreneurship programs that are going on at the larger companies, but you're seeing a lot of creativity. And it's well needed because we're not too healthy as a country. You know, a lot needs to be done to put the focus on well-being, not in a, a paternalistic kind of shaming, scolding way, but in a let's live life to the fullest kind of way. And let's partner with people, not to just help them when things go awry, but to help them avoid that to begin with. That's the question, isn't it? How do we do that? How do we get to a better point along that spectrum where we're addressing those upstream questions versus, like you said, what do we do once something's wrong and we need intervention? 
within our our own health and wellness journeys. Love that thought. One last kind of hypothesis to to run by here. And uh, that has to do with one thing you just mentioned, which was for health systems in particular. So larger uh, provider organizations and, and hospital systems and health systems, the kind of some of the inside big brands, if you will, in healthcare, I feel like we still see a lot of echo chambers, if you will, silos at the very least of within the organizations still looking for solutions to some of their design questions within just other health systems. And they're not looking outside enough yet to other examples in other industries, even within the broad health ecosystem, other types of players and organizations who they can learn from. And I feel like that's a limitation. I don't know if you've seen the same thing or if or if you have, you know, if there's mm-hmm. a way to help improve that and help those within any type of organization have more visibility of the cool things that are happening in other industries. Yeah, absolutely. We, we need to look at trends and signals coming from other industries because they shape consumer expectation. So people are going to expect out of an interaction with a health system you know, what they experience on DoorDash or Amazon or name the latest app that they just used that had a great design team behind it, right? So people are bringing these expectations to the table. So it's important to understand what's going on. You know, I think we feel like we're stuck in a system sometimes. We have the policies and the processes that are sort of, they feel like they're carved in stone and they feel like blockers to innovation. You know, I think it was, you know, five years back, it's like, oh, we can't do that because of HIPAA. And it's like, well, we can do that, but we can do it conscious of HIPAA, right? So we can innovate with HIPAA and not use HIPAA as an excuse not to kind of, you know, go the extra mile with the the patient. But I think we can work with patients, again, adopt this spirit of co-creation, work with people to understand their real needs and, and wants and everything else. And I think to get beyond looking at it, like we are just a brick and mortar facility. We are a hospital that people come to, we're a health system that people go to, primary care specialty to say, we're a services company, we're a relationship company, we're a lifestyle health company, we're a technology company, we're a digital company. And, you know, I give health systems all the credit in the world. It's been extremely difficult, obviously with COVID, even with EMR adoption and integration and just the busyness, uh, the long hours, you know, not even be able to take a break or go to the restroom, the clinician burdenment and burnout and all of the, the quality needs and the, just the documentation. And I mean, it's very difficult to make change in that environment. It's not a tough nut to crack, so to speak. But I think if we create these little pockets where we start to innovate and think differently, then we'll be heading in the right direction. One last question for you. If there's one message you'd like to share about creating consumer-first health experiences, what would that be? Yeah, it would be, you know, let's go beyond quantitative research and surveys and, and HCAPs. Those absolutely have a place in getting feedback from the end user, the target audience, the people we're working with, but let's also do consistent and continuous 
qualitative research, not just with sort of patient panels or advisory boards, because they end up knowing too much over time, but continuously bring people to the table with us, learn from them and design with them and learn a little more about design thinking and human-centered design and create better experiences for yourself and for others. It's good work we're doing out there. Well, thanks for giving us so much time today. Uh, How do listeners connect with you if they'd like to and want to make sure we mention your podcast as well? Oh, awesome. Yeah. I'm Amy Hamans on LinkedIn. Uh, You can connect up with me there. And I do have a podcast called Better Experiences where we talk with uh, leaders in health, thought leaders in health about how we can deliver better experiences. Fantastic. Again, Amy, thanks for giving us a few minutes and sharing so much value with us. All the best in everything you're doing. Stay safe, stay well, and talk to you next time. You too, Jared. Thank you. Ed Marks here with Digital Voices, the only podcast for chief digital officers across all of healthcare and life sciences. Digital Voices is about the voice of the patient, the provider, the payer, pharma, big tech, retail, public health, really any part of the healthcare and life sciences ecosystem That's the digital voice we want to capture as we learn and break barriers across the entire spectrum. Join us weekly as we drop our pod. Hey, thanks again for listening. We hope you found some value in this conversation. And if you did, do us a favor and follow us using your favorite podcast app. Then tell your friends and colleagues about us. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Healthcare App is a member of the Shift.Health Content Network. If you enjoyed this podcast, you're going to love the other shows in the Shift.Health Content Network. Go check out the latest show. In fact, it's called Hello Healthcare, hosted by Chris Hemphill. It's focused on people who are moving healthcare forward, how healthcare strategy relates to data and AI, and what you can do to create or demand a better future. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform or at Shift.Health, where all 35 podcasts and video series are free and available on demand. Until next time, keep marketing forward. Thanks. And that's a wrap.